You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 65, and today we are talking about books released on August 2nd, 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well-read head, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. I was thinking maybe, um, instead of saying well-read head for a while, maybe we could say podcats. Like, okay, yes, let's be podcats. Yeah. Because I keep spelling it incorrectly when I'm typing quickly, and I'm like, oh, podcats. <laughs> That's cute. I like that. Yes, we can be podcats, and maybe someday we'll be unicorns. But we're neither of us is a redhead right now, so podcat is more appropriate. Yes. It's the only kind of cat I'm not allergic to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's too bad. It is too bad, but it's whatever. It's good. You have Millie. I'm, I do. Dogs are good. I like them. And I got to spend all weekend reading books snuggled up with my big old lazy hound dog. So it was great. We have some friends who just moved out to the country, like just north of Richmond, and they have a bunch of acreage now. And we took the dog out on Saturday to hang out with them and their dogs. And she just ran around like, wee! (laughs) And (laughs) And you know, for a basset hound, it's not very fast. (laughs) It's really not. It's like faster than, she's at least faster than you would think a basset hound would be, but she looks 100% as ridiculous as you think a basset hound looks trying to run as like at top speed. Uh, and she got very tired, which makes her an excellent reading buddy the next day. <laughs> so yesterday was a nice chill Sunday filled with books and naps and snoring dogs. And it's good. It's like the heat broke a little bit here, which just means that it's in the 90s instead of over 100. Um, but I'm I'm ready. I am filled with books and book enthusiasm for today. Yes. It's a little cooler here, too. It's nice. Good. Although we, we really need rain. We're not getting a lot of that. They keep uh, saying it's going to rain, but then it doesn't. Uh, we're in the thing where we're getting like a 30-minute thunderstorm every other day. Oh, but it usually cool. just, it's great, except it just makes it more humid. But like we, get, uh. we have really good thunder and lightning stuff happening, and that's great for atmospheric reading. Before we start, I just want to say really quick, um, holy cats, it's August. I know. <laughs> I know what? I've been I've been feeling like oh I have all this time to get started on our fall reading and then like it's almost fall <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's absolutely mental time flies when you sit in the same place day after day after day amazing how that works yes, um maybe we should tell our friends here on the show in a couple of weeks on the show for August 30th we're going to do a fall books preview awesome so circle that on your calendar i'm gonna circle that too because i had already forgotten so (laughs) thanks for the reminder you're welcome that's (laughs) what i'm here for you want to kick us off yes because i'm so excited about this book um my first pick is the trees by ali shaw and i have to say because you will hear from everyone this is the most amazing cover like this year if not ever the book cover is absolutely gorgeous. It's like this fox head made out of leaves, and it is worth buying the book just for this alone. It's like, it reminds me of my other favorite cover, oh. Before the Feast. Like, I'm really into, like, leafy foxes this yeah. year, apparently. I just Googled it, and this is gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. Every, like, I was looking a little bit on Goodreads while I was um, waiting to call you this morning, and everybody's like, the cover, the cover, the cover. Like, I would get this as a tattoo if I did not think it would make the tattoo artist completely insane just like drive them <laughs> mental to try and attempt it it's so beautiful um and this book is so beautiful um ali shaw wrote the girl with the glass feet if you if you might 
uh, may have heard of that or read it, another wonderful sort of fairy taleish book. And this is a, a, it's, I would call this an apocalyptic fairy tale, really, mm. if that's a thing. And if it's not, I just made it up. It's totally um, a thing. So one night in quiet England, giant trees grow up through the ground. Just like big, full-grown, looks like they've they've been growing for hundreds of years. Just all of a sudden, boom, giant forest takes over this town. And there's a man there named Adrian who lives in the town. And he is this sort of um, weak, like cowardly disappointment. Um, he's married to Michelle, and he knows that he has been a disappointment to her. He's not very brave. He doesn't like the outdoors. He's not into being outdoors at all. Um, and here he is in his bed, and all of a sudden he's tipped out because a giant tree grows up through the house. Um, and, and it's like there's fires and screaming, and it's just like devastation. I mean, these trees just everywhere, as far as he can see. Um, his wife is away. She's on business in Ireland, um, and, you know, there's there's no electricity, there's there's nothing, he has no way of contacting her, you know. Um, and But he decides that he needs to know if she's okay, and he's going to go find her. He's going to go on a journey and and see if he can find her, um, and he wants to see how far the trees reach. Like, like where did they come from? Why are they here? Um, you know, how far does it go? Is it just like his town? So as he sets out to find Michelle... He meets Hannah and Seb. Um, Hannah is like the opposite of Adrian, where Adrian believes like the world is ending and it's all over, you know, what what are we going to do? She thinks that the trees, despite, you know, sort of the chaos that they have caused, are actually a positive sign that it means that good things are happening to the earth. The earth is sort of like regenerating and starting over and it, it, it's a good thing. Um, and Seb is her son. He's a, a technology addict. Like, he's just crazy about it. Um, he's not so sure about what's going on. But they all decide to join up. And they're going to go look for Adrian's wife as well as Hannah's brother. Um, and as they move through the layers of the forest, uh, the book really has its own, like, new layers. It's a quest novel. It's a horror novel. It's a story of love and survival. Um, it's just a beautifully written, amazingly imaginative piece of magical realism. Like, this book is so much fun, and there's so much to take away from it. I just absolutely loved it. And again, it is called The Trees by Ali Shaw. I had not heard of that, and now I cannot wait to read it. It's it's good. It's big. It's really big, but it's fantastic. Awesome. Uh, my first pick this week is one of the ones I've been looking forward to for like all year. And I don't remember exactly when they announced this book, but I have been excited about it since the announcement. It's The Fire This Time. It's a collection of essays edited by Jesmyn Ward. Um, I guess an anthology is the more accurate way to describe it. The title is taken from James Baldwin's The Fire Next Time. And this is about race and black life in America today. Um, post Trayvon Martin, post Freddie Brown, or post Freddie Gray and Michael Brown, Jesmyn Ward was thinking about America as, this is a direct quote, a place where black life has been systematically devalued for hundreds of years. Um, she took to Twitter first to talk about it and to seek out other voices who were thinking out loud about what it is to be black in America today. And she found, you know, comfort and hope and inspiration and people that she related to there. And then she reached out to a bunch of writers and asked them to write about 
race in America today. Um, the book is divided into three sections. The um, section on past is called legacy. There's a section on the present called reckoning. And then the um, section at the end is called jubilee. And this collection is just totally amazing. If you read Ta-Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me last year, if you've read Jesmyn Ward's own sort of memoir slash examination of race called The Men We Reaped, uh, if you're thinking about race in America today, if you're thinking about this election that we're in and all of the rhetoric about race and the conversation about race and all of the things that we're not saying, but that we should be saying, you want to read this collection. There are just so many incredible voices. Uh, Rachel Kadzi Ganza writes this piece about reading James Baldwin and about visiting his home and sort of understanding her own identity as a writer through, uh, through reading Baldwin and thinking about his life. Isabel Wilkerson, who wrote The Warmth of Other their sons, uh, has an incredible piece here about the history of civil rights movements and their corresponding backlashes. And she looks at uh, sort of what the Black Lives Matter movement grew out of and what the backlash to it looks like, um, you know, very timely. Jasmine Ward's own piece is about getting a 23andMe DNA test to learn about, uh, to crack the code of her, uh, of her heritage to find out, you know, how much of her blood is Black and how much is Native American and where where are her people really from and what does that mean, especially when you grew up black in Mississippi in a place where the one drop rule is still very real socially? Uh, Kiese Lehman has this piece about music, about outcast, about what it meant to hear Southern blackness in rap for the first time to him. If you like music and are into the history of hip hop and rap, you'll really uh, find something to relate to there. Garnett Cadigan writes about walking while black um, from uh, her home in Kingston, Jamaica, to what it was like to walk around as a black person in New Orleans and then in New York City. Um, and then there's uh, the, these are just a few of the amazing pieces. Daniel Jose Older, uh, who is Latino, is married to a black woman, and he writes his piece as a letter to her and to their future children um, about protest, about the Black Lives Matter movement, and ultimately about hope, about why we have protests and why we have movements is in the hope of you know making a better world and a better life for the next generation. Every piece here has something, you know, smart and thoughtful and insightful to offer. I think it's, uh, you know, I know I'm not the intended audience for a collection of essays on what it is to be black in America. And I would guess and hope and think that all of these voices will speak to black readers. Um, as a white person, as a person who's not black thinking about race, you would do well to listen to these voices and take in what they have to say. It's not always easy, but uh, it's always important. And it's always about an experience that you haven't had and can only learn about by listening. Um, just what a gift this book is and at a perfect time uh, when our culture really needs it. Again, it's called The Fire This Time. It's edited by Jess. Ward. Okay, uh, before we move on, we have our first sponsor this week. Every library is back. Uh, we've been talking about my return to falling in love with my local library. I now have a holds list that is just about a million miles long. And so this has fallen at a really nice time. For me, it's been a nice excuse to, you know, study up on what's happening in my own local community. If you're not familiar with every library, they work to draw attention to the organizations that are trying to defund and get rid of libraries in the United States and to give citizens a way to fight back against that. Um, you can fight for your library. You can support the, your local libraries with funding. You can make a contribution 
to every library for the work that they do. You can sign a petition to support your local libraries or to support what's going on with libraries at the state and national library, uh, national level. It's really just an incredible thing that they've done. If you want to know more about what's going on in your local community, go to action.everylibrary.org slash support local. Um, you'll find examples of groups that are trying to defund libraries. You might learn some surprising things about what's happening in your own community or in nearby communities. And if you're a reader, if you're listening to this show, you know how powerful books can be. Libraries are the you know great leveler of the playing field for readers. They're where anyone in a community can go to get information, to get a book, to find a story that's going to change their life, to read an essay uh, that gives them a new insight or a new perspective on something that they've been thinking about or that they never would have thought about without it. We all know that books shape our lives and that they change our lives and that they matter. Um, and these organizations that are trying to defund libraries and to get rid of them need to be stopped. Um, if you want to contribute to that, there are so many different ways that you can do it. So again, check out action.everylibrary.org slash support local for more information and to get involved. And we just thank them so much for sponsoring. We do. I love libraries. <laughs> I know. You know, when I was little, um, my mother was a librarian, and when I was very young, I thought that Liberty and Library were, like, kind of the same thing. Oh. Like, I thought that was sort of what she was saying to me when mm -hmm. I was very small. It was like, my name was Library, or we were talking about the same thing. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I could not say my R's right oh. away. Or, or no, my L's. I couldn't say my L's, so I used to say R's. And so I would I would say, like, I want to go to the library. And my oh. mother thought this was so funny. She would say, okay, we'll go to the library. And I would get so <laughs> mad because I knew she was saying it wrong. And I'd be like, not the library, the library. <laughs> um, and I just, I've always loved libraries. They're just amazing places. That's my library story. I like that story a lot. Um, Thank you. I've known you for so long now that I can't imagine you being named anything but Liberty. But if your name were Library, that would really make a whole lot of sense. It would be pretty great, yeah. Occasionally, people think I say Library when I say Liberty. And and there have been a few times where people thought my name was actually Labor Day and have written that down, <laughs> which I don't know. But hey, they thought maybe my parents it's would like, like a Starbucks holiday. cup fail. <laughs> yeah. I'm an ice tall soy mocha for Labor, Labor Day. Day. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, also... I wanted to point out that I have the hiccups. I was trying to like hold my breath while you were doing your last recording, so um, I might have them again. It's not a weird accent. I'm trying. I just might have the hiccups. So um, let's talk about my next book. What wonderful timing. Roll on. <laughs> my next pick is so good. Oh my goodness. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of fighting at the end of the year over who gets to pick this for their favorite. It's called Christadora by Tim Murphy. I absolutely love books like this. This one centers around an apartment building and the people who live in it. I love that kind of thing. Like, everybody has, like, their different story, like, in the one building. Um, I cannot think of any other examples at this moment, but uh, of course, but I Doesn't just... Doesn't Elegance I, of the Hedgehog kind yeah, of do uh, that? that? Okay. okay, there you go. That was the one I thought of this morning that I, I forgot already. Um, and it's... It, so it's like that. It's so good. And it is about the Christadora. It is an iconic building in Manhattan's East Village, um, and it centers on the people who live there. It spans decades, starting in 1980. And there are several characters, but there are a few main characters. There are the artists um, Millie and Jared, who are a very well-to-do couple, um, and they have an adopted son named Mateo. There's Hector, who is a Puerto Rican gay man who was once a celebrated AIDS activist, but now he 
is unfortunately a dysfunctional addict. Um, there's Millie's feisty mother, Ava. She works for the New York City Health Department. Um, and Hector used to work for her before um, he became an addict. Um, and these are the main characters. And it sort of goes back and forth through time and dealing with the highs and lows of their lives. It like shows you um, things that happen to each of them. Their lives become more and more connected um, it reminded me a little bit of A Little Life in that way. Like, mm. this is the first time I've read a book since A Little Life where I was like, okay, that's a little bit like that because, you know, there's nothing quite like A Little Life. Yeah, that's so singular. Um, but it's it's very similar, like, these stories, these heartbreaking stories. Um, there are so many serious topics explored in this novel. There's addiction. There's sexuality. There's AIDS. Um, AIDS is a big story in this book, you know, because it was it starts in 1980. It was a relative unknown at that time, and, and um, you know, Millie's mother works for the health department, so it's something that she has to deal with. But there's also, like, later on, Millie's mother is aging, and, and she's not remembering everything, and, and there's, you know, her sad story of, like, what it's like to age and start to forget things and know that, like, you're forgetting things and, and to, you know, have that going on in your life. Um, there's also Mateo's mother, who um, died of AIDS, and he again, he's Millie's and and her husband's adopted son. It's just this tremendously moving, like this will you'll need some tissues. Um, it's tremendously moving and ambitious and just absolutely gorgeous. Again, it's called Christadora by Tim Murphy. You know, I've never read The Elegance of the Hedgehog, so I feel like a fraud <laughs> having no. that's part of knowing about books is like knowing what things are about and what you can recommend even if you haven't read them that's true thank you for saving me there i still feel like a little bit of a fraud but it's okay i have read the next book that i'm going to talk about it's called harmony by carolyn parkhurst she's one of those mid-list novelists that i think deserves uh, more attention i really loved her uh, novel before this called the nobody's album which is like a book within a book um, about an author who's going to new york to turn in the draft of her novel and then we get to read through like different versions of the story that she's been trying to tell um in harmony she gives us a story about the hammond family they live in washington dc um, and they have two daughters uh, the 13 year old tilly is on the autism spectrum she is brilliant uh, but she has behavioral problems that over the last several years have really created created a lot of stress for the family as her parents have, you know, reached their wits end trying to get services for her, trying to fight their school district to get the kind of classes and education that she needs and that she has a right to. Um, and the, the kinds of stories that if you have been paying attention at all um, to what's been going on with the culture's awareness of autism and how it is treated and how it could or should be treated, you will, you know, find something to relate to here. Um, most of the story is narrated by Tilly's 11-year-old sister at the time. Her name is Iris. And when we meet her, the story uh, begins with the family's road trip to Camp Harmony. They are moving from Washington, D.C. out to the woods in the middle of nowhere, um, where they're going to be core members who live full time at this camp that is intended to be a retreat, a safe place for other families who have kids uh, who are on the autism spectrum, where they can be with other families who understand what that experience is like, where no one will look at them funny because their child is like misbehaving during dinner. Um, where the where there will be you know therapeutic activities, but it's also intended for the environment in itself to be therapeutic, not just for the kids who have autism, but for their families as well. Where um, that added layer of sort of social pressure and stress about how you deal with your child will be removed. Um, Camp Harmony is being run by this self-made 
guru named Scott Bean, a very charismatic, like slick guy who you know seems to really care about the kids. He always knows exactly what to say to the parents, uh, but he may not be quite what he claims to be. Iris's chapters um, are set in you know present day, showing us what's happening at the camp. Alternate with chapters that are narrated by Alexandra. She's the mom, and they're in second person, which is a really risky narrative choice. And it's one that, when it's done well, I just really, really love uh, in a novel. And so she says, you know, imagine that this happens to your child, and then you do this, and you you know feel these things, and you finally have these mounting frustrations and fears and become so desperate for something to help your daughter and to help your family um, that ultimately she's taken in by Scott Bean, by what he seems to be or by really what she hopes uh, he or anyone could be for their family. They get to Camp Harmony and as the summer goes on uh, with the core family and then the you know established traditions that they have for the guest families that come just for a week at a time. Things escalate into weirdness. It feels very culty uh, in some ways. Iris, the 11-year-old, starts to pick up on the fact that things aren't great, and it builds to a terrible thing occurs. Um, I read this in a day and a half. I couldn't put it down. Parkhurst's novels have this very like propulsive quality to the writing. It's almost addictive. Um, and I think she really gets here at understanding autism and how varied the expression of it can be, um, how but how it puts a similar kind of stress on families that parents who have kids with autism need to talk to other parents who have kids with autism to really feel safe and understood um, because our culture so lacks a real understanding of it and has not been uh, easily adapted and friendly uh, to anyone who has autism who's on that spectrum and doesn't behave as we think, quote unquote, normal people should behave. Um, I really also appreciated that the that autism and the disability in general are not used as a plot device here. It's not like, um, I think like, I think mental illness is probably the best analog for what happens in fiction. Sometimes it's like, here's a novel about a person who's bipolar, and isn't that, you know, like edgy. Um, and Parkhurst, to her great credit, you know, avoids that. This is not a story where autism is the plot device or where we're looking at kids who behave in ways that seem strange and like pointing or laughing at them. She's really exploring what it does to a family um, and to live in a culture where the problems that their child deals with are not problems that our culture is set up to accept or to understand or to try to really be therapeutic in their response to. And she puts it in all in this great, you know, cult story, which is a thing that I can't resist. Um, I hadn't heard much about the novel in the run up to it showing up on my doorstep. Um, I think we should be talking about it a lot more. It's a great, this is a great book. Um, so, and it's a fun read, but so thoughtful and really getting at some of the moment cultural issues. Again, it's called Harmony by Carolyn Parkhurst. She's fantastic. Isn't she? She's just so good. I want her to be much more widely read. Yeah, she's she's been around uh, a while. I'm trying to think of the book I read of hers that I loved. That was also very sad about the dog. Oh, the, the Dogs of Babel? Yes. Yeah, that's the one I haven't read of hers. <gasps> we but complete now each other. I know. Now she has a full <laughs> uh, well-read head podcast endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! What's up next for you? Uh, I love this title. Um, it's called I'm Supposed to Protect You from All This by Nadia Spiegelman. Um, and I feel like I could be wrong because I, my, I don't remember things as well anymore, but I think it's been a while since I've talked about a memoir. This yeah, is I a memoir. So 
Um, she is the daughter of Art Spiegelman, who is, you know, famously a Pulitzer Prize winning author of Mouse. Um, and also the daughter of New Yorker art director Francois, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's Moulet? Moulet? I, it, we'll just have to go with that. Um, and she talks about her life and the relationships of the women uh, in her life. Um, she had this very colorful upbringing. You know, her you know parents, both artists, um, but it really centers around her mother. Her mother was like this wild, artistic, free spirit, just like completely spontaneous um, sometimes even dangerous, like her driving was out of control. And she was talking about like she didn't realize, you know, in that way that kids don't realize things until they're older, that like her mother was a terrible driver and nearly killed them several times. Um, and, she, you know, she she does crazy things like grabs the kids and runs out into the ocean in the middle of a lightning storm and is like, isn't this fun? You know, like there might be a little like, you know, bipolarness going on there. Um, and Nadia grew up just absolutely worshiping her mother. Like, at the very beginning, she, she thinks her mother is a fairy, and, and her mother does nothing to dissuade her from thinking that. <laughs> and she asks her mother, like, you know, when do I get to be a fairy? And she's like, when you're 16. So <laughs> she's, like, waiting to be 16 so she can be a fairy. Like, she really doesn't think that her mother is of this planet. Um, but their relationship dynamic began to change and sort of become tense as Nadja grew up um, and got older. And she didn't really know what it was that was happening between her and her mother um, she didn't realize that her mother was reliving her own issues with her own mother. And it wasn't until Nadja was in college that her mother explained to her, like, her relationship with Nadja's grandmother um, and, and what caused them to split. And her mother sort of fled Paris to get away from her mother. Um, and Nadja is fascinated and wants to know more. So she moves to Paris to get to know her grandmother. Um, it reminds me of this saying that I've heard. I don't know who said it, but it was like, um, grandparents and grandchildren get along so well because they have a common enemy. <laughs> and it's it's sort of like that. Like, Nadia's, like, very intrigued, and she wants to learn more about her grandmother and about her grandfather, who was, like, the first plastic surgeon in France. Um, it's just this really beautiful memoir, and it's so well written. It almost read like a novel, um, which, you know, is not, It does, you know, memoirs don't have to, but it, I just, like, flew through it. And it was, I kind of was like a little ambivalent about it at first because I, as you know, as you know, um, I have a very complicated relationship with my own mother and as most, you know, women have with their mothers. Um, so I was a little hesitant, but the reviews were so, so good that I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And I absolutely loved it. It's a, it's a great examination of mothers and daughters and about how, you know, you can always, um, you know, you're always hurt the most by the ones that you love. Uh, again, it's called I'm Supposed to Protect You from All This by Nadia Spiegelman. I have that on my desk, and I had been looking at it, but I didn't realize who her parents were. That's such a fascinating family. Yeah, it's it's bonkers, like the stuff that they do and the places they go. And they're just like, oh, yeah, one day my mom grabbed us. And we got in the car and we drove down the coast of you know Costa Rica and you know did this crazy thing. And then we flew here. And it's just like, whoo, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, before we roll into the last segment of the show, I just want to remind our listeners that Book Riot Live is coming up. It's November 12th and 13th in New York City. The VIP benefits go away at the end of August. So if you are thinking about registering, do that now. Go to bookriotlive.com and use the code MOREcats, that's all one word, M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, to get $20 off your ticket. And also it'll let us know that you are an All the Books listener. Uh, so thank you for that. We have such 
an incredible lineup of speakers. Alyssa Cole has just joined the lineup. Baz Dreisinger, whose book Incarceration Nations, uh, I talked about several months ago. Jade Chang wrote The Wangs versus the World. It's one of the big debuts of fall. She will be there. Meg Medina, Mara Wilson, uh, who is a writer and an actress and is on Welcome to Night Vale. Ken Liu, Ruman Alam, who wrote Rich and Pretty, which I talked about, Sarah Farazan, Sona Cherapotra, and Walter Mosley, um, Valentine Delandro, who illustrates Bitch Planet, is going to be there. I am so excited to show him my non-compliant tattoo in person. It's just going to be an awesome weekend and such a great feeling. Last year, it was like going to summer camp with a bunch of book nerds for two days, like meeting so people great. that you've talked to online, meeting people that you've never met before, but you're connecting over books. It had a great feeling. Uh, you don't have to take my word for it. There's a Book Riot Live Facebook group where you can talk to other people who attended. So check, you know, give that a search and join it. Again, go to bookriotlive.com to register and use the code MORECATS at checkout to get $20 off your registration. We will do this show live. It will be ridiculous. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be so awesome. I know. It's gonna and be it's going to be here before we know it. I'm already starting to be like, what are we going to do for I know, our we podcast? Need our, we need our outfits for Maybe we for need cat one. outfits so we can be podcasts. <laughs> We should make podcat t-shirts. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll work on that. Okay. It's a cat with a microphone and a book. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay. I was thinking my, a cat in a pod like an alien because yes. that's where my no, mind that goes. Too. But hey. It could be like two peas in a pod, but we'd yes. be two cats in a pod. We could be two peas in a podcast. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> what is even happening right now? Our brains are running wild. Tell me about your next book. Let's go back to books for a minute. Um, This is a paperback release. It's a manual for cleaning women by Lucia Berlin. This is a big collection of short stories. Um, She's just a masterful writer who I didn't know about until this book came out. She was super underappreciated in her time. And this is a huge collection of her work from across her lifetime, like literally dozens of stories in this collection. Most of the stories are like 10 to 20 pages long. Many of them are connected by the same characters, but there's not really a through arc of the narrative. And also many of these have her as their main character, or or at least a fictionalized version of her. Um, There's a great introduction to this uh, collection by Lydia Davis, who writes about um, what Lucia Berlin did by fictionalizing herself and how the story was the thing. Uh, You know, there's stuff in these stories that are pulled from her own life, but what's really from her life and what is a fictional detail um, are things that really only she knows. And in that way, by like, by centering herself in her characters, but by making it clear that it's a fictionalized version of herself, it kind of reminded me of what Tim O'Brien does in The Things They Carried, uh, like where the story truth is more important than the happening truth. Um, And things really do happen in these stories as well. They're very plotty, but in a good way. Um, It's like once you start, something is happening as soon as the story begins and you want to keep going to find out what is going to happen to this character, what she's going to think. Um, But there's no sacrifice to the quality of language at all. This is not like it's plot heavy and the language is fine. It's just like things really do happen. And the way that the stories are told is awesome as well. If you like short stories that are grounded in reality and you've not read Lucia Berlin, you need to pick up this paperback like ASAP. Um, The stories are surprising. They are about all the ways that real life is strange and sad and unusual and 
uh, also just like stupidly predictable sometimes um, that life is stupidly predictable, not the stories themselves. Um, I just found something to love in every single story. Uh, and I could not stop reading once I started again. Uh, the book is called A Manual for Cleaning Women. It's by Lucia Berlin. It's in paperback this week. I'm glad they kept the cover. Oh, yeah. It has such a good cover. Yeah. And it's so bright. Like, you can spot it immediately. It's like, boom, that's what I want. Right. And it has, like, a sort of a key design. So you can see that, like, it's the, a key that, like, a cleaning woman might have to a person's house. Um, the book is sitting on our coffee table right now. And Bob was looking at it. And he was like, oh, I thought this was, like, a book about how to clean women. <laughs> that would be weird. It's like, that's a whole different thing, honey. Yeah. Different book. <laughs> What's last on your list today? My last pick is To the Bright Edge of the World by Eowyn Ivy. Uh, her name is spelled E-O-W-Y-N. I had to practice saying that. Um, and her last name is spelled I-V-E-Y. You might recognize her name. She is the author of The Snow Child, which was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize a few years ago. Um, and she has written another cold-weather epic novel um, it centers around war hero Colonel Alan Forrester. It takes place in 1885 in the wilds of Alaska. Um, Colonel Forrester decides to take a group of men and explore uncharted Alaskan territory, because at this time, we had that. And so he leaves behind his pregnant wife, Sophie, which is nice of him to go off, you know, so he leaves her alone, um, and he's decided, you know, he's going to go look, and he's got something inside him that needs to see what's out there. He wants to, to be the person that finds it. Um, and he is keeping a journal so that in case he doesn't make it back from his explorations... Um, perhaps his journal will, and Sophie in the world can still learn of all his adventures and all the sights he has seen. Um, Sophie is, like I said, pregnant at home by herself and not thrilled about her predicament. Um, she feels like she's really being tested in her marriage and in her faith um, by his, his exploration. And she takes up photography. Um, she's really into nature photography, and photography is a, re a really new thing at this time, too. Um, Meanwhile, the men are all fa facing, you know, horrible danger and challenges out there in the Alaskan wilderness. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's some things that they don't even think are actually, like, real or of this world, like, what they're, what they're encountering. Um, and it's told through both uh, Colonel Forrester's journal and also Sophie's journal. She's, she's keeping track of what's going on with her life. And it's just like this year in the life of, of these two. Um, and it's ultimately a novel about wonder and discovery because we're seeing things through Alan and Sophie's eyes, um, all the things that they that he sees on the exploration and, and Sophie's things that she discovers through photography, things to them that are just so miraculous that we take for granted now because we've seen it all and everything's been done. Um, but the way that she writes it is just you feel like the excitement and the wonder that they're that they're experiencing. Um, it's just another magical novel from her, and she, I believe, still lives in Alaska. She used to be a bookseller in Alaska, um, and so she really knows her, her cold weather and, and the terrain, um, and she writes it beautifully. And again, it is called To the Bright Edge of the World by Eowyn Ivy. It's a good ending note. And my last one is one that I'm looking forward to reading. I didn't have time to get into it yet. It's called Wild Sex, The Science Behind Mating in the Animal Kingdom by Karen Bondar. Uh, Karen is C-A-R-I-N. Uh, she has a web series of the same name that has had 14 million views. And it's about the mating habits of, anim mating habits of animals, large and small. Um, she covers the evolution of sex organs, animal seduction methods, which, you know, like, if you 
like nature documentaries the way that I do, you think that you have seen all of them, but there are definitely more. And the actual mechanics, uh, my joke here was going to be the actual ins and outs uh, of how, I know, I'm sorry, (laughs) um, of how baby animals get made. Uh, If you liked books like Dr. Dr. Tatiana's Sex Advice to All Creation. I I know, it's so great. Um, And a few years ago, I read something called Sex on Six Legs that was about mating in the insect kingdom, which was also just (laughs) super fascinating and such a great title. Um, I think this will be right up your alley. I've sort of flipped through this and I've watched a few of the videos online. It's just great. Um, I I don't know, something about summer also makes me so like just into documentaries and nature stuff. My Netflix queue is really just odd lately. Um, And so maybe that's a thing that happens to you too. And you want to check out uh, this book again. It's called Wild Sex, The Science Behind Mating in the Animal Kingdom by Karen Bondar, B-O-N-D-A-R. Awesome. All right, lady, those are our new books this week. What are you going to go read now? I'm so excited about this book. Uh, it is called Catlantis. I figured <laughs> I'd tell you about it because we needed Are they cats. podcasting? <laughs> They're not. Um, but it's translated from the Russian. It's by, I don't I'm going to guess at how to say this woman's name, uh, Anna Starobinets. Um, it's like I said, she apparently is also a Russian horror writer, but this is like her kids' book, and it's put out by NYRB Classics. And I'm going to read you the description because it's so awesome, I can't not read it. Um, Baguette, a seemingly ordinary house cat, is a descendant <laughs> of the magic Catlantians who lived long ago in peace and happiness on the island of Catlantis. When he falls in love with the seductive alley cat Puriana, she insists Baguette accomplish a heroic feat before she'll agree to marriage. They pay a visit to the oracle, Puriana's great-great-grandmother, who reveals to the surprised Baguette the secret of his bloodline and the special inheritance of all ginger descendants of the Catlantians, the ability to time travel. Amazing. She relates the catastrophe that befell Baguette's ancestors when Catlantis was struck by storms and sank to the bottom of the Catlantic Ocean. (laughs) I'm going to stop there because it's just more cat jokes. Cat puns. Yeah. So what are you going to read next? Amazing. I I could not be more excited about this book if, as you say, I swallowed a cat and broke out in kittens. I'm going to read My Own Words by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh. Uh, it showed up, I know, it showed up in the mail last week, like when I was deep in the loop of watching Michelle Obama and then Joe Biden and then Hillary Clinton's DNC speeches. Um, I was just so feeling my like liberal woman-ness. And then I got Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the mail. Uh, this is a collection of selected writings of hers she would she's small but mighty um (laughs) (laughs) which is like the understatement of the century um this is a a selection of her writings. she's incredibly prolific and so these are uh, essays that she has written over the course of her career and the text of speeches that she's given and i really just cannot wait. Uh, it comes out, when does it come out? I think it comes out in October, um, but there's no way that I'm going to be waiting that long. I'm going to read it ASAP. Awesome. Yep. Uh, and then I'll be like, my transformation into Leslie Nope will officially be complete. <laughs> <laughs> That is our show. Thanks again to our sponsors. Go to action.everylibrary.org slash support local to get information about how you can support and defend your community's public libraries. Come hang out with us on November 12th and 13th in New York for Book Riot Live. Go to bookriotlive.com to register and use the code MORECATS, M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, all one word, to get $20 off your registration. As always, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. We love to hear from you. I'm Rebecca Shinsky. 
C-H-I-N-S-K-Y, and Liberty is at Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on iTunes, it helps other book lovers to find their way to us in the magic of Apple's algorithm juice. Yes, and as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks, as well as find a link to our weekly New Books newsletter. All right, that's it this week. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.